The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. As well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hi there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a show about how people connect. And this week, we'll get into the ring with a special personality who has stepped out into the world in so many ways. Whether you know her from the wrestling ring, the fitness stage, the big screen, or the pages of Playboy magazine, April Hunter has developed a career that is body positive and shows that a strong woman in today's media can not only succeed, but thrive. Her work in professional wrestling with WCW, TNA, and Ring of Honor may have put her on the map, but it is her writing and acting work that has kept her in the spotlight. She has won top awards for her fitness work, as well as been a spokesmodel for Metrics. She has been featured as a model in Muscle Mag, International, and Flex, as well as Playboy, Penthouse, and Maxim. On the screen, she's appeared in numerous music videos, MTV, MSNBC, TBS, The Howard Stern Show, as well as commercials, including Toyota. Currently blogging on relationships and more, modeling on her own site, and her new podcast called The A Show is putting this amazing woman front and center on the page and on the screen. Ladies and gentlemen, April Hunter. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever set foot in a wrestling ring and your feelings going into it? Oh, my God. I was somewhere in icy cold, New I think, New England, I want to say New Hampshire, working a Killer Kowalski show against one of his other students, I believe. Her name was Amanda, I want to say Strong. Hmm. I could have that wrong. Um, and it was Amanda. And... Um, Often what happens with uh, women's wrestling is one of the girls has been doing it a little bit longer than the other. Um, this was the case with Amanda and I, but usually in this particular situation of these matches, nobody is really qualified to be a veteran. <laughs> 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 and um, that was also the situation in this match. So I'm pretty sure that the match we had was awful. Um, I was terrified. I was very concerned about my hair, makeup, and entrance music. Um, I was extremely concerned about forgetting the match. Um, yeah, I, I was. it was about as, if you have a, a level of anxiety that can go zero to 10, I was probably at an 11 or 12. So that's, that's, that's about how I felt. <laughs> Yet I went back. <laughs> <laughs> First time anyone ever told you that you were beautiful and you believed it? Um, I believe that was probably my parents mm -hmm. or my grandparents. So I know they were being a little partial, but <laughs> I, I think, I think it was probably them. As you've done fitness competitions and you've done modeling and acting when did you know that you were cut out to be a star? Oh, how do you even answer that without sounding so arrogant, right? But I'm asking you to answer that question, and I'm not thinking you're going to be arrogant at all, because there's <laughs> that moment that every person who is a personality has, where they go, this is what I want to do. 
Um, I, okay. So I was struggling um, after school and during my first go around with college. Um, I was working a lot of odd jobs and I couldn't, I couldn't keep a job. Nothing held my interest. Um, I was not good at these jobs, these, you know, working at the ice cream stand or, well, I was actually pretty good at being a server, sadly, but I was, <laughs> um, I was there for the food cause I was so broke. I needed to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I wasn't even good at that. Um, I worked at Wilson's leather. I worked at the, the CD store or at that time as a tape and CD store. That's how mm-hmm. old I am. Um, I wasn't really I was really getting concerned about the fact that it was a pretty much a universal agreement that I sucked at my work ethic um, in, in these fields and that I couldn't, nothing held my interest and I couldn't do it, which is ironic because my work ethic is really, really strong and that's why I'm still in the business now. But I was just, it's like in school, you have that kid who is so smart and the school is kind of dumbed down for them and they're not able to retain their interest because they're flying along at a higher speed. That's kind of where I was. I just wasn't in my spot. So um, I remember I had started doing burlesque and I was touring a whole lot and I was reading reviews you know, uh, that was back before re- reviews for everything. They were kind of entertaining at that point. Mm-hmm. So I would get show reviews or people would, you know, send them to me after I'd gone through whatever town. And somebody had described me, and I don't know if this was exactly it, but somebody did a series of pictures of one of my shows and they described me as coming down the runway as a thoroughbred horse. Wow. And I thought, that is really interesting. <laughs> and it was the way that it was written up that I realized then I'm like, maybe I could be doing more than I'm doing than just burlesque. So I think sometime in the future after that, I had, a, I actually had a boyfriend who was from England and he kind of just steered me in the direction of, and this is why my blog is called um, <laughs> taking, uh, putting, putting your clothes on and taking the gloves off. Mm-hmm. I just gradually kept getting more and more dressed. <laughs> so I did everything <laughs> backwards. But he had more of a vision for me than I did. And sometimes we don't see things. Other people have to see them for us. And I've always said that the more dressed a person is, or the more covered up they are, the more that's left to the imagination. And that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Well, it's it's good when people have imagination. Very true. First time you ever intimidated a man. Oh, good lord. <laughs> um. Oh boy. I don't even I don't even know when the first time it was. Or a memorable time, if you can't think of a first one. Um, oh, there are so many memorable ones. So many memorable ones. Um, when I was doing a lot of fitness competitions, I was carrying a, quite a bit of muscle. Not like bodybuilder muscle size, but figure physique type muscle. And um, I remember somebody saying, some guy saying something like, you know, all that muscle makes you look like a man. And I'm like, really? So what's your deal? <laughs> <laughs> Where are your muscles? <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> April, we're kind of known for asking the same last question on our first five because of all the different guests we've had, the women mm-hmm. and other wonderful humans we've had. First time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic and your reaction to it. (laughs) Oh, man. That was probably when the internet started. So I started my very first website literally like when the internet started. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the the dial-up tone. 
Um, I got right in on that. So my first set was up in 1997. I went to like HTML classes, the whole thing. I think it was probably about six minutes after my website was up that I think I got a dick picture. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part is back then it would have taken you forever to download it. Right. I'm like, what is this? this is, what is this? I see fingers. No, this is not a finger. Hang on. Wait. <laughs> and it's bit by bit being revealed. So, yeah. So, I, honestly, I was horrified. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how you change, like, decade to decade. You know, every five years, you're just a completely different person. Like, now I'm so unfazed. So, in my, in my 20s, I was horrified by dick pictures. In my 30s, I would forward them to all the wrestlers with a, hey, look at these tits thing. And they would open it up. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> I would forward it to all the guys. So, you weaponized <laughs> the unsolicited dick pics. I, I love that. I did in my early forties. I would just respond back to like the guys. I would I would get a I would get a dick picture. I'd be like, eh, I've seen better. <laughs> <laughs> now I just completely ignored. I'm like, oh look, another dick picture. That's so cute. <laughs> you just stop giving a fuck after a while. It's like you you like you go through the day. You know you you get to the point where it's like you have so much to do. There's there's so much updating to do. So much. Uh, promoting to do there's so many message bo inboxes and messages to handle now I hate that like every social media page comes with its own freaking message thing it's like I have a million inboxes and like then you have life to handle you have your regular job to handle you have so much to do let alone if you're trying to be creative your phone is going off it's like there's only so much energy in a day and you can't like honestly you can't let politics or dick pictures veer you off the path of trying to get things done because it will it'll derail you and the next thing you know your your to-do list is carrying over to like october are you liking what you're hearing check out the total archives wherever you find your podcasts and please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute and while you're there help john out by giving him a rating and review we really appreciate your feedback what is your fantasy do you have a secret we all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki, and I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, together we will explore the experiences of everyday people, just like yourself. Often, this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them. You can find In Bed with Nikki on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts. And remember, for every problem, there is a solution. And I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, Enjoy. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. I feel nervous talking to you. Oh, good. And that brings joy to you. Oh, it does. It pleases me immensely. The Baroness, April 20th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Back with April Hunter on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And just before the break, we were talking about so many different ways people can message each other now. People, what do your inboxes look like? Oh, honestly, they are a horrific mess. Um, and here's why. I'm bad about emails and messages. Um, I find them to be time-consuming. There's so much spam. A lot of times people just want stuff. I find that to be draining. And then 
when we were going through all the election stuff, I was getting so many emails and messages and newsletters. And I mean, this whole past year, everything was COVID and Trump and Black Lives Matter and everything over and over and over again. And QAnon, like all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm tired of it. I don't want to see it. Like you have to actively um, work at not paying attention to what's going on. Like you have to, you have to consciously choose. Mm-hmm. So I consciously chose to ignore my inboxes and it's piled up and it's a mess and I do miss messages and it sucks, but I'm sane. I mean, that's debatable, but I'm mostly sane and I'm getting my, <laughs> I'm getting my projects done and my work done. And that's the important thing to be able to stay focused on what you need to stay focused on. Yeah. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, I actually shut off all my, my um, alerts too for sanity, except for text. And mm-hmm. I tell them, I'm like, if you need to get a hold of me, you have to text me. If there's an email I need to look at, you got to like give me a heads up because I'm probably not going to see it. So there you go. That's what my inboxes look like. <laughs> you are a beautiful woman. And I don't think I'm saying anything out of line by saying that. And you have been a beautiful woman in many different shapes and sizes, whether it be as the wrestler, whether it be as the fitness model, when you are portraying different characters, you have always been a beautiful woman, especially to me, because I do appreciate athletic women. That's my type. You are probably approached by many, many different men and types of men. Is there a right way to approach April Hunter for any type of connection? Or is there (laughs) definitely a wrong way to approach April Hunter for any kind of connection? Well, first off, thank you very much. yeah, I, I have gone up and down in in weight and muscular size and everything throughout my career. So I appreciate that very much. Um, I don't know about a right way, but I know some wrong ways. Um, one of the things that turns me off the most when I am when someone is interested in me or approaching me is if they tell me they really love redheads. So that's a fetish. It's like, I really love Asians. Like any Asian will do. Okay, cool. Any redhead will do. That's fine too. Like, Mm. so I feel like I'm just another, um, you know what I mean? I do. So it's like, I love black women, any black women will do You know what I mean? So that's, that's a, that's a big, big no, no. So that's what actually one of the screening things I have when, when I date somebody is, so do you, have you dated redheads before? You know what I mean? And if it's like, oh, I, I love dating redheads. It's like, eh, eh. <laughs> or you're, you're, you know, I've only ever dated one before or something like that. Um, honestly, the, the, the thing that is probably the biggest thing for me is being an equal. So I am, I'm a very weird person. Um, (laughs) I don't even apologize for it anymore. I'm weird. Um, you know, I speak fluent, you know, movie quotes and sarcasm and I will break out in song lyrics and weird accents. And I just, it's just me now. So to be able to hang with the weird and not be intimidated by what I do or who I am or where I've been, or um, I get along with a lot of my exes and not be intimidated that we're, we're cool. You know, like if you can be your own person, that's, that's a big thing. I wouldn't call that weird. I'd call that a woman after my own heart and no, I am not doing a come on here. It's just, I like people who speak in movie quotes and can sing song (laughs) lyrics and love to just be alive and not have to filter themselves. So that is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Muchas gracias. As you went through the different shapes and sizes that you did, did it affect the way men approached you? Was there one type that they 
thought that was too intimidating or was there one type that they said, okay, we can easily approach April because we can. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So the more fit that I was, the less approachable I was. Interesting. So at one point, oh yeah. So at one point I got hurt. Um, and I, ballooned up about 30 pounds and nobody seemed to care <laughs> i put on 30 pounds and people liked me just the same like the guys just the hit on me left right and center 30 pounds i was almost 180 pounds i remember looking at the scale i was like tipping at 179 i'm a tall girl but still i looked at that number it was like 179.5 and i'm like oh my god i have to do something that's actually when I started, uh, that's when I signed up to do a fitness competition mm-hmm. because I, I knew I, I needed a goal to work toward to get, you know, do the double cardio and get a workout partner and lean down. But I had, I had, I was hurt. Uh, I didn't feel like working out as a result of being bummed out. I was eating Ben and Jerry's. I was just, and I was getting hit on, nobody cared. So <laughs> And when I get hit on the most, actually, believe it or not, is now when I'm the thinnest. Yep. Like right now, I am the smallest I've ever been, probably since I was, gosh, a teenager or my 20s. So I'm just smaller. So everything's, I went to school for three and a half years. I I didn't have much time to work out. If If I did get a workout, a lot of times it was walking a couple miles with some hand weights because I didn't have time to go back and forth to the gym and go to full sail university, which was a 24 seven school and work and handle everything going on around here and try and get in six hours sleep. So Mm -hmm. in that duration, I shrunk down and, uh, when, when I'm out and about now is probably, I, I like, I get hit on nonstop. Like I was at the gym today, even with no makeup on. I was at the gym today and some dude comes up to me. It's like, oh, I noticed you from over the other side. And I just, I think your hair is beautiful. And I just wanted to say hi. And I'm like, well, hello. And I'm going <laughs> to finish my workout now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just think it's funny that I'm older now and skinnier now. And um, I, I appreciate it though. I do. I appreciate it. Was it upsetting that you weren't approachable when you were at your most fit? Um, yeah. Did it frustrate you? Yes, it did. I found it to be, oh gosh, how do I even, I want to say insulting, irritating, and strange. I remember having this conversation with another wrestler, ODB. Um, oh, ODB. What an yeah. amazing, amazing woman she is. We were we were sitting there talking one day before we were having a shooter show, and we were both you know she's a, she's a jacked girl, and she's like we were we were in um in the Midwest at that point you know Kentucky I think because that's where I live too and <clears throat> she she's you know she's unfiltered as well she said you know what's really just fucked up is they look at us like we're strange she goes. And meanwhile, everyone's walking around like they're three, 400 pounds and they have a gut hanging between their legs and that's okay. Nobody stares at them. Nobody, nobody mentions that that's like suicide. That is slow suicide. Nobody points that out. She said, we're busting our asses, getting in the gym, trying to eat right, be healthy, get on cardio, do something. And we're the ones that are fucked up. Fuck them. And, you know, I couldn't have agreed with her more. Mm-hmm. And you, if you if you live in the Midwest, you know you see that it's a different lifestyle there, where being obese is normal. I don't know how it is now. I've been gone for ten years, but at that particular time when I was there, that's how it was, and we got stared at, you know, like we were aliens. And I just thought it was really it was just like, come on, really? I don't know. I got it. It, it. So not being approachable, whether it's from, you know, a human standpoint or a, well, I was at the time I was married, but still at any standpoint, it's just like, I just felt like it was very judgmental. You are looking at me and you are assuming 
And I've noticed in my travels that the people who are the most jacked and the most tattooed and the most pierced uh, are usually the ones that are the nicest people Mm -hmm. and the sweetest people. It's like they put on this armor to not be taken advantage of um, because they're all soft inside. Mm -hmm. And then it's the, it's the ones, you know, those little girl next door types, they're the ones that'll fucking rip your heart out and then shit down your throat. So (laughs) (laughs) my my friend and I used to joke around about Ginger and Marianne. He's like, Marianne, Marianne. And he always got dicked over by Marianne. I'm like, go for Ginger, man. Go for Ginger. Ginger is straight up. She is telling you exactly who and what she is. It's always Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) Marianne's will throw you under the bus and surprise the hell out of you. I don't know what your dating status is right now. Don't need to know. But is it hard for April Hunter to be single? Um, d- define hard. Frustrating? No, I liked being single. I have found that it has been very beneficial to me to take a significant amount of time off between relationships um so the last couple times I've done that where I've taken uh a, you know close to a year a little over a year between uh each relationship um I think that has been very helpful as a female we tend to give up a lot for our mates and put them first and make them our priority. So when I am single, I enjoy it because it's all about, it's all about me. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I want to do whenever I want to do it. Um, You know, if I want to eat dinner at 11 o'clock at night, I will. If I want to put a movie on at midnight, I am. I'm not worried about anybody else. If I want to just jet off on the weekend and do something, I'm going to do it and not have to worry about being accountable to anybody. I enjoy it. I have a lot of friends. I have a good network of friends here. So there's, there's plenty to do and people to hang out with. And I like, I like my own company too. So I'm fine with it. Do you want to hear episodes way before their release date? Commercial free and with an exclusive and always interesting five more minutes? Then support the show at patreon.com slash podcast. And you can be a part of an actual upcoming show. We sure do thank you for your support. Hi, my name is Leanne Yao, and I'm an audiobook narrator who is also polyamorous. I just wanted to let you know about some audiobooks on polyamory I think you might enjoy. You can find Love in Abundance, The Jealousy Workbook, The Polyamory Breakup Book, and When Someone You Love is Polyamorous on audible.com. Just search my name, Leanne Yao, spelt L-E-A-N-N-E-Y-A-U. Please also check out my episode on what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Here again is our host, John, or as we know him, hi there, catsuit. When people are trying to find a soulmate, Mm -hmm. a friend a lover, or any kind of connection, what are things that people are doing wrong that they can easily do right? Do you want me to rattle off a bunch of things? Sure. Okay. Because <laughs> this, is, this is an area that I study extensively. <clears throat> All right. So first off, sometimes people say or think they want a relationship, but they actually just want their needs met. And if you are one of those people who wants a relationship, but you are with someone who just wants their needs met, you're gonna have a problem because you're gonna have to revolve around their schedule and their kids and their life, and it's gonna be a problem. So there's one thing right there. Secondly, is a lot of times, we go from a relationship to a relationship. 
we don't give ourselves much time to be the best version of ourselves again. So what happens when you're in a relationship and it ends, it's, it's, it's a real tangible loss, you know, not only a loss of that person in your life, but a loss of identity. You're no longer someone's boyfriend or girlfriend. You're no longer their stepmom or stepdad. There's a lot of loss there that if you don't take the time to deal with it and then heal from it and then get yourself back to where you need to be, you're going to be in that lower energy level. So I liken that to an injury. Hmm. So if you're an athlete and you have sprained your knee, but you continue to go out there and play, you can tape your knee up, but if you keep going out there and going back into the field, you're, you're, you're going to tear the ACL. You're going you're gonna to tear your meniscus. Whereas if you take the time to rest it, rest, ice, compression, give yourself some time to go through rehab and therapy, you go back out there, you're going to be hitting touchdowns. So you have to treat heartbreak the same way as you would an athletic thing. You give yourself time, rest, ice, compression, elevate. So <laughs> we, we humans and everything, everything is made up of energy, right? Everything. When you walk into a room, you can feel the vibe. You can feel if you want to be there or not. And there's a reason for that. You can read someone's energy and tell if you like them instantly or not a lot of times. Nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, if you have broken up with somebody, you knew in the beginning, there was a point real early in the beginning that you knew it wasn't going to work out. You got that flash in your gut and you, you were overthinking it. You, you thought you tried to logic it away. Mm-hmm. Instead of paying attention to that, that screaming red flag that we charge toward like a bull. So what we need to do is understand that when you're coming out of a relationship, you're at some really low energy, really low energy. And if you go back out there again, like attracts like, mm-hmm. you are going to attract a low energy person. And you're going to end up repeating that cycle over and over and over again. So if you can be a, 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 between a one and a 10, you're going to stay at a three. Mm-hmm. And maybe somewhere along the course of whatever, maybe you raise yourself to a five or a six, but your significant other is still a three. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to look at this person and say, okay, they're holding me back. I could be doing so much more. So you take the time off. You enjoy your time, you go out, you take classes, you learn to cook, you spend time with your family, you make your friends, you remember your friends, you know, the ones you ditched when you got a relationship. Don't do that because they're still there for you. Don't ever do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Go and find the things that you love to do when you were a kid before money got involved. Go back and do those things again. Bring your energy back up to a nine or a 10 and you will find a nine or a 10. That is one of the things that we're doing wrong. (laughs) It's so hard sometimes in relationships, and I have to admit that I'm guilty of it, where you try to reinvent yourself to be more compatible with your partner rather than having your partner naturally like who you are already. Fair point. Yeah, I call that chameleonizing. <laughs> you have a name for it. I love that. I do. We, we all have that friend that becomes a chameleon with each person that they're with. I once had my spouse say to me after watching me on the stage, and she's now my ex, watching me on the stage said, I could never be married to that guy who's up on the stage. And I said, that's difficult sweetheart, because the guy up on the stage is the real me. The actor is the one that comes home Hmm. because I had to make myself into the dad or the one that pays the bills or the one that is responsible for things. 
And when I was up on stage, that was the real me. That was just, I was having fun. I was an improviser. So I was making everything up. And I discovered that what drew us apart was the fact that I wanted to live my life out loud and she wanted to turn down the volume. That'll do it. Resentment is a killer of all relationships too. What are things that people are doing right when it comes to approaching each other? Um, or in this time and age, are very few people actually doing it right? Okay, so, okay. Some people are. So the people out there who are not ghosting, who are kind of, I want to say manning up, but I mean, this is women too, who will say, I have a friend and, you know, she'll go on a date. And if she doesn't feel that there's a chemistry with the person, she'll say, Hey, you know what? I, you know, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for the coffee. I don't think there's really anything between us, but I appreciate that, you know, we took the time to do this and she'll just be real honest like that. And a lot of people don't do that or she'll, she'll um, return texts. You know, and she'll say, hey, listen, you know, um, this isn't just this really isn't where I want to be right now, but I appreciate your your time and your interest. Like, she'll just be like that. And I'm like that, too. Where I'll just, you know, I'm just I, you know, you just cut it off, but you, you are real polite about it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people um are afraid of confrontation because they think it'll make them look bad, but it actually makes them look better. So mm-hmm. those, those who will step up and say, Hey, thank you for your time. It's just not something that I'm interested in right now. Or I've realized that I thought I wanted a relationship, but I've got a lot on my plate right now. And I apologize. I'm just not there yet. If you actually say that, that's admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people doing that, that's really pretty cool. I think one of the benefits to COVID, believe it or not, I think there's a lot of benefits to COVID this year. (laughs) Um, But one of them is I think that people are dating more slowly. You know, like they're the slow food program. We have a slow dating program now. (laughs) So people are kind of like feeling each other out more instead of just doing like random hookups. So the hookup thing have slowed down quite a bit, which I've never been a fan of. To me, that's just, I don't know. There's no, I mean, animals fuck. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no connection to that. Mm-hmm. You know, getting connected means getting vulnerable. And a lot of people don't want to get vulnerable. So you're not going to be connected. So intimacy is not taking your clothes off or having sex or sucking someone's dick that has nothing to do with it. Intimacy is not being afraid to let someone see you cry mm-hmm. or telling them how it really was when you grew up or telling them you're afraid to go see a doctor because you have a lump and you've been keeping that to yourself. That's intimacy. So I think the people who are understanding that and who are, taking the time to get to know people and being straight up about whether they like or dislike someone and who are not being afraid of their feelings and they're not wasting people's time. I think they're doing it right. Enclosure or lack thereof can hurt. So in so many ways, especially lack of closure, because there are times when you go, what did I do? Was mm-hmm. it me? Mm-hmm. Did I not wear my deodorant tonight? <laughs> no, things like that. But if you don't know, how can you be able to either avoid the behavior next time or know that maybe there wasn't anything you could have done? And I'll tell, I'll tell you a story about a breakup that I had. Mm-hmm. This was back in uh, Cleveland when I lived there, and we had been dating for nine months. And these were her closing words. She said, John, you are the sweetest man I have ever met. You didn't do anything wrong. 
you couldn't have done anything differently. I just can't do this right now. Now, at some point you could say she's trying to have closure, but the amount of unanswered questions in all of those statements. So if I was the sweetest man you ever met, why am I not good enough for you now? If I didn't do anything wrong, then why are you leaving me? <laughs> all those things became torture questions rather than closure. Okay. So as a female, I mm -hmm. can understand what she said. Um, because I have had similar situations where sometimes I just get overwhelmed by life mm -hmm. and um, there's just too much going on. And maybe the person and I aren't gelling in a way that is conducive to being a really great romantic match, but mm -hmm. that person is still a really great person. So I have said something similar before. Okay. But I can understand where somebody might take it a different way. <laughs> oh, and I, I took it in a lovely way. And uh, luckily, I had a very good therapist who helped me work through it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it was my first real relationship uh, after the end of my marriage. So it was, uh, it was very emotional because I had gone from being in a very dark situation in the last 10 years of my marriage to seeing the light and it was so bright that it almost blinded me. So that was, yeah, a, that was a beautiful thing to have happen. That's, yeah, I've, I have learned, and this is a recent, um, this is a recent thing to have come to the conclusion of to be grateful for all the bad stuff in life mm -hmm. um, because it has, you know, everything's either a lesson or a blessing, right? So even the bad stuff has, it, turn, it, it makes you who you are because you come through and you're a little bit stronger and you're a whole lot smarter. So you go through, you navigate through life a little better after dealing with each shitty situation. So it kind of kind of gives you a little bit more, a um, little more armor mm -hmm. uh, to deal with life after that. Are bad guys more desirable than good guys? No, they are not. Um, not to me, anyway. Mm -hmm. I actually, wrote, I wrote an article about that called uh, "Pull My Fucking Hair." <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was talking about good guys versus the the uh, the guy the apple. So <clears throat> the theory is, and I did a lot of research on this exact topic. The theory is that women love assholes, um, and that's not exactly true. Some women are emotionally uh, stunted or immature, and they don't. I guess sometimes sometimes they have to go through the ringer first before they realize that assholes are just assholes. So I always say this, I said, some women say all men are assholes, but smart women start dating other types of men. So there are traits that women are attracted to that are dominant traits. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, some of these traits are kind of asshole-ish. You know, like guys with the motorcycles or the loud cars or they're tattooed up or they have, you know, their muscles or they have the giant beards or, you know, like certain things that are uber masculine and, um, you know, in the animal kingdom, the male is the brightest bird and has the biggest mane. So that's kind of how it is here. The, the man that has the brightest colors on his feathers and the biggest mane women can be attracted to that. And the reason for that is completely genetic. We look at men to be providers and protectors, even though that's kind of an outdated 
thing, Mm -hmm. but it's inherently genetic. So we look at someone who was loud and big and strong um, as someone who will be, be able to protect our offspring. And it's innate. It's in our DNA. So when our head swivels and we look at a guy who is completely wrong, (laughs) it's just DNA genetic. So an intelligent woman who has, you know, a high EQ is going to say, okay, that guy's wrong. And that's not actually an alpha male An alpha male will act in a different way. So what women actually want, I have, I've come to the conclusion is a Ragnar in the sheets and an Athelstan in the streets. <laughs> if you get the Vikings reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if, if a man can be dominant enough and strong enough and confident, confident is a big thing, enough, and still be a nice guy, a polite guy, a decent guy, He will attract plenty of women. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Ash, trauma-informed sex and intimacy coach and educator and the founder of TurnOn.Love. And I teach a wide range of workshops and courses on topics including flirting and seduction, deepening emotional intimacy, expanding pleasure, exploring fantasies, repairing ruptures in relationships, navigating non-monogamy, and more. And I work with individuals and couples in a coaching dynamic to support them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies and navigating challenges like erectile dysfunction and anorgasmia to help men figure out how to express their desires in ways that feel authentic and not let opportunities pass by any longer, to help women explore what they want and really advocate for it in their relationships and to support couples in getting the spark back and in exploring non-monogamy if you want to open up your relationship. To explore all this and more, you can check out my website at www.turnon.love. And don't forget to listen to my episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's in the archives wherever you listen to your podcast. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. It's time to get back to learning about the most important connection of all, the one we have with our authentic selves on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Back with April Hunter as we're visiting on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. And April, since we have had an amazing array of sex positive, (laughs) sometimes kinky, a lot of times kinky, Fetish models, uh, other model types, burlesque people on our show, you are very comfortable in sharing your pictures. How long did it take you to feel comfortable in that way? Um, You mean? Because you have some racy pictures and you have some not so racy pictures. Meaning, well, when I, was your body image comfortable enough for you to go, please enjoy? Um, very early on, probably. Um, now, if you were to ask my parents that, they would say from the age of three, because apparently, 
apparently I would run outside and run down the sidewalk naked all the time. This was just a thing. Um, my, my parents walked around naked, nude all the time. My mother was a nude model. She went to art school and she was also a nude model. Um, nudity in our household was not really a big deal. It was, mm-hmm. it was just, I don't know. Nobody even thought about it. It was just natural, I guess. It was like, you know, somebody's walking by naked again. It's not, nobody paid attention to it. Kids don't think that way. And then you grow up with it around you. You still don't think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why Europeans are just like whatever with it. Like they censor violence, not nudity. So I never really thought much of it. Um, now I, I did end up getting, there was a span of time there in my teen years where I got really self-conscious. Um, that's when the not enough stuff started to happen. You know, I wasn't um, curvy enough. I was really, really, really skinny and my boobs were small and, you know, nothing was enough at that point. And then I, it was probably a lot of, you put it on yourself and, you know, you're watching all the music videos and everything. It's, just, you, it's typical teen angst shit, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody goes through it. And then I started, um, do, I started modeling when I was, well, I started modeling when I was 16, um, doing like dresses and stuff in my local department stores and stuff. <laughs> but then I started modeling without clothes on when I was 19. Um, and I've just, I guess it took a, it took a little bit to, to, at that point, I was still a little bit not enoughish then, but it, I got over it pretty quickly. I've always looked at, um, myself, the, my, as a brand. So somebody told me, you know, become a brand. So it's an April Hunter brand. Don't take anything personally. When you walk through the door of work or you start work, you're at work. This is not your family. This is not your, your life. This is your career. This is your life or this is your work. So don't take compliments personally and don't take critique personally. It's just your job. So when people would shred whatever it was that I was doing, I would do my best not to take it personally. And I, developed a very thick skin again probably why I'm still working (laughs) so I'm comfortable with with my skin and I'm comfortable with the pictures and I'm very very grateful to have been able to earn a living from my looks um I feel very fortunate to have been able to uh have that opportunity April as you look back and you still have a long way to go forward. But as you look back, writer, student, model, wrestler, cosplayer, actress, or actor, to use the non-gender specific term, because that is the proper thing to do. What does April Hunter want to be remembered for? Oh, boy. That is a tough question right there. Um, You know, I would probably like to be remembered for being diverse, for having having, uh, been a brand before people were actually being a brand, for being, um, for not having any, any, um, any walls, any boundaries. I could go anywhere I wanted to, didn't matter if I'd clothes on, no clothes on, um, wandered into an all male, um, clientele or all female clientele, like with my soaps and candles. Like I just, I'm like a Jeep wandering all over paths and trying to put my toe in every lake that I hit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I would like to be remembered as someone who is, uh, creative and, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't know. How would you put it? <laughs> Sometimes I need help with this. I think you've had a beautiful journey through many different waters, and you still have a long way to go forward. 
and then you'll uh, figure out exactly what the answer is. <laughs> I will take that. I actually have two projects coming up that are completely new avenues that I'm super excited about. I'm going to be doing what you're doing soon. Fantastic. I'm looking uh, forward to that. Yeah, I have a new show, a new podcast, and I also have a children's book coming out. Those are two pretty diverse things. They're very diverse. Yeah, we, so we have the A show, I have a co-host, and then I've got a kid's book. So what an ex-nudie model with no kids is doing in publishing kids' books, I don't know, but hey. <laughs> Well, tell me a little bit about the A show, because I have a man crush on the person that is your co-host. <laughs> yeah, I think he's awesome. Take a number. I think every guy has a man crush on him. So, uh, okay. So the A show came about, actually, if I, if I go back and I'll try and sum this up in five minutes, uh, Aaron Stevens or Aaron Idol Stevens or, or Damien Sandow or whatever name du jour he's using right now or this week. Um, he's a chameleon too. <laughs> we went to school together. So I have known him since 2000. We both are Killer Kowalski graduates. Mm -hmm. And I met him when he was 17. So that's how long we've known each other. And we have collectively lived in New England at the same time. Then we all moved, like him, me, and my husband at the time, moved to, no, I mean, not together. Like, <laughs> we, we all, we all, there's a bunch of us, we just migrated to Louisville. So we all lived in New England, then we all migrated to Louisville, then we all migrated to Tampa. So like, everybody kind of stayed in the same clique and hung out. So he and I always kind of, you know, we would take a yoga class or go out for lunch. We always got along. Um, so then we, we, the, he went out West to become an actor and I'm out here in Tampa doing my thing. We reconnected and right. Um, we decided since, you know, he knew I was in school for writing for entertainment and he's out there in entertainment. So we thought we would do a project and create a TV show. So we actually brought on another guy who helped us. We started this whole uh, story Bible, the whole thing. It's actually really kind of cool. And it went nowhere. Mm. So I think most we good ideas like, that exactly happens to most good ideas uh, in television, because wait a minute, we haven't done it before. So how could it possibly work? Uh, well, you know, and then everything shut down and I don't want to live in LA and he, like, I, it's just, it, you know, that that got put on hold mm -hmm. so then everybody's going through like a covid brain and a little bit of a depression and anxiety like all of us everybody in entertainment we all we've all had our bookings just axed like no one knows what's going on we're all floundering so he and i will sit here and talk about things like that and stay up and solve the world's problems because i'm a night person he's on left coast time so we end up on the same time zone basically and we'll just sit here and talk about everything. And then finally, I'm just like, you know what? I have been asked for years to do a podcast. Like I remember Vince Russo saying, when you're ready, let me know. This was like six years ago. You know, I will, I will get you started. And since then, multiple people have said, start it, start it, start it. So I said to, to Aaron, I said, you're not doing a whole lot right now. I'm not doing a whole lot, lot right now. I've always wanted to do this. I never had time to do it. Maybe now is the time since we both are down and there's, there's, you know, there's nothing in the foreseeable future. So, and I know that I work better with a team or with a partner because I need someone to bounce things off of. Like I, I need that creative energy, that, that back and forth. So he's like, okay, cool. And I'm thinking to myself, eh, how reliable is he going to be? I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. Well, next thing I know, he knew a guy in the media department. That guy's contacting me. We're signed on. They're setting up our social media. They've got the name. We became the A-Show because of Aaron and April. Mm -hmm. And we've got graphics, and we're good to go. So we we roll out the middle of February, uh, right, after, right after Valentine's Day. That's phenomenal. And yep. I am looking forward to being a listener to that show big time. And so I will uh, – 
I will subscribe. I may rate and review. Wait a minute. That's what I say at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, we're on. The, you go to Patreon, the CA show, or Twitch, the A show. And we're going to be talking about some of the things that you and I talked about, but we're talking about like current events. We'll be talking about kind of everything I want to say except wrestling, but you really can't avoid it when you're two wrestlers. Mm-hmm. But it's not, going to, it's not going to be a wrestling podcast. It's going to be a, an everything podcast. April, it has been an absolute pleasure and honor having you on the show. I think we've covered a lot of material. And uh, I think that we're probably going to have to talk again down the line and maybe even get that uh, that Aaron guy who uh, I have no idea who he is, but maybe even get some of his opinions on what uh, other wonderful humans want. And I would that would be something fun to do on down the line. Well, thank you for having me on. I had a great night. I appreciate the invitation. I have always been a fan of April from my connection with pro wrestling. And her story about connections is so fascinating to me. We sometimes think that people are not approachable when all they want is to have connection just like us. You're always welcome to approach us by email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. And when you listen, you can always give us a rating, review, or subscribe to the show. We really appreciate it. And that will do it for this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at whatwomenwantp1 on Twitter, whatwomenwantpodcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.